As an engineering leader, you know firsthand that achieving work-life balance can be hard. Many business owners struggle with the balance between their personal lives and their work. This leads to stress and a feeling of regret. But that's not the case for the listeners of the Engineer Your Success podcast with Dr. James Bryant. This podcast provides tools, tips, and techniques to help you achieve success both in business and in life. Tune in. Let's engineer your success today. I want to welcome you to the Engineer Your Success podcast, where we dive deep into the strategies and insights to help you win at work and at home. I'm your host, Dr. James Bryant, and I am on a mission to help you succeed both in business and in life. This week, we're going to have a continuation of the topic that we began talking about last week. So last week was episode 116, Empowering Leaders, Mastering Delegation, and Unlocking Team Growth. Last week was part one. This week is part two. We're going to continue our discussion on effective delegation, and there's going to be more input from the participants that were at the Engineer Your Success on-ramp session where these excerpts are coming from. There's a few studies, facts, and figures that I grabbed to talk about delegation. One, a 2019 study by the Harvard Business Review found that senior level leaders often struggle with knowing what they can delegate that would actually feel helpful to them and how to delegate responsibly and not just delegating tasks. We talk about that in the actual on-ramp session. There was another study that talked about how delegating tasks can increase a leader's productivity and free up time for strategic planning, critical thinking, and decision-making. So leaders who effectively delegate can also provide growth opportunities for employees and foster a culture of trust, collaboration, and shared responsibility within the organization. And I have found that to be true with the clients that I work with. So here are some questions that you may be asking. How do I know which tasks to delegate? How do I choose the right person for a delegated task? How do I communicate my expectations for a delegated task? And how do I provide feedback on that delegated task? I'm not saying that we're going to answer all of these questions as part of episode 116 in episode 117. But what I can tell you is that if you're asking yourself these questions, then let's hop on a call and discuss how I can help you delegate, eliminate, and automate. This is a strategy that I take my private clients through to help them empower their teams, free up their time, and enjoy those things that matter most to them. Let's dive in to this week's discussion. When you look to balancing oversight and autonomy, uh, I've been in situations where a person believes they've delegated the task. They've told someone, this is what I need you to do. They walk away and the other person is trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? What's supposed to happen next? I don't know. And nothing gets done. Then the person comes back. Hey, I thought we talked about doing this. I thought we were on the same page. They weren't on the same page. They went straight to autonomy. And there was no oversight. There was no checking in on that individual to see if they had everything that they needed, if they have any additional questions. That oversight piece is critical as you set that environment for 
collaborative decision-making, that environment for collaborative growth. And in everything that you are doing, you are building trust and fostering accountability. At the heart of empowering your team lies the foundation of trust and accountability. Trust is the glue that holds teams together. And when you trust your team members, you give them the freedom to excel, make decisions and contribute to their best. Accountability, on the other hand, ensures that everyone takes ownership for their actions and their tasks. Building trust relies on creating that supportive environment where team members can feel valued and respected. Trust grows when you're approachable and open to their ideals and feedback. When trust is established, team members are more likely to take calculated risk, share innovative solutions, and feel motivated to go the extra mile. Accountability is a natural outcome of effective delegation because you're encouraging ownership. When roles and expectations are clearly defined, team members understand their responsibility and commitments. By delegating tasks, you're entrusting them with responsibilities that highlight their skills and expertise. This sense of ownership fuels their dedication to delivering high quality results. Empowerment isn't just about entrusting your team, it's also about providing the necessary resources and support for their success. As leaders, it's your role to ensure that they have access to the tools, information, and guidance that they need to excel. This proactive approach not only boosts their confidence, but also demonstrates your commitment to their growth and their achievement. One of the most remarkable aspects of delegation is its potential to drive professional growth. By assigning tasks that challenge and stretch your team's capabilities, you're opening doors to new experiences and skills, encouraging them to step outside their comfort zones and continue learning. That paves the way for advancement within your organization. We'll take a, a quick deviation on this point and just talk about how it can apply to us and our family lives. I have two boys, they're 15 and 16. And if we don't start to delegate some of the household tasks to them, if we don't start creating this environment and equipping them and empowering them, what are we preparing them for? Are we preparing them to succeed at what? Because if we don't start to take those steps now, I believe it's going to hinder their growth into adulthood. And just like we would think about a team member, maybe a junior team member that wants to grow and you want to equip and delegate to them so that they can grow. We have to think of our children and our family that way as well. If we want them to grow, we're going to have to begin to delegate some responsibility, delegate some tasks to them. And that doesn't mean that it's overly burdensome, but we have to begin to take those steps. I know I've had to begin to take those steps. What are some of those common mistakes and pitfalls and how to avoid them? One of the things that I think about when it comes to effectively delegating, there is this fear of losing control. You've been working on the project, you've been working on something, and you're at this point where if you're, you have concerns that if you give it to somebody, they're not going to do it like you would do it. They're not going to do it as well as you would do it. Who says that they need to do it as well as you do it? Who says that how the, exactly the process that you used is the only way to get it done? The importance is understanding what the end result is and communicating those requirements 
in allowing that individual the flexibility to reach that end result in their own way. That you can be there to provide accountability. You can be there for some oversight. You can provide input. But if you think that your way is the only way, then you're going to be stuck doing everything for the rest of your life because no one is ever going to be able to live up to what it is that you think they need to live up to. Has any of you experienced that? I know I have experienced that and I've had to learn to let go. Anybody else in it? I see some heads nodding. Oh yeah, James. And I'm sure I can relate to, to everybody on this call, especially the ones in the engineering industry, but you learn all this, all these skills as far as engineering goes, and you feel that you're competent and you're efficient at doing and when these opportunities pop up, you think I can assign this, but by the time that I, it takes for me to train and go through this, I can knock this out and I know what it needs to look like. And I know what the end goal is. And let me just knock it out. Yep. Yep. And that is fatal mistake. Number one, because although it is true in that particular instance, it's going to save you time then and there. However, over the long haul, because you are, I would say, robbing the ability of your staff to grow, then that burden is going to continue to fall on you. When you're thinking about this is not just having a short-term view. It's what's the long-term view? What am I building here that is going to help to provide me with sustained success? Because the fear of letting go can, can lead to burnout. It can lead to bottlenecked decision-making. To overcome this, remember that delegation is about empowerment. It's not about entirely relinquishing control. Empower, not totally let go, but you want to empower. You want to ass assign those tasks that align with the strengths of your team members, with the strengths of your children, however you define your team, with the strengths of your spouse. Again, let's expand the definition of team to include all areas of life. Because what you're doing is that you're gradually building trust. You're gradually empowering. You're gradually training that you can all as a group collectively reach successful outcomes. Overcoming all of these pitfalls requires a proactive approach. Establishing your strategy for delegation is going to be key. So you're going to start by identifying tasks that can be effectively delegated. You want to gradually increase the complexity of the task that it builds trust. You don't just want to come and dump a whole bunch of stuff on someone's desk and walk away and say, go do it. You may start little by little and build trust with complexity. Yes, it is going to take more time, more of your time on the front end. It's not fair. Nope, it's not. It's going to take more of your time on the front end. But in the long run, it will help you design a lifestyle that you want. It'll help you build the organization in the team that you want. When you find that balance between autonomy, empowerment, when you find that balance between oversight and your hands-on approach to managing that project. Positive outcomes of effective delegation, 
there's a range of things that happens. One, I would say you're able to enhance efficiency and growth over the long run. In that one instance, maybe not, but over the long run, you will. It's going to, by empowering your team, the members that you're tapping into, by tapping into their strengths, creativity, and expertise, the tasks that are executed are more efficient and decisions are made collaboratively. And overall, it is going to improve the quality of your work. The delegation isn't just about managing day-to-day tasks. Uh, It's a catalyst for business growth. As a leader, your focus is on strategic planning and innovation. By delegating operational tasks, you free up valuable time to concentrate on higher level initiatives. This shift in focus positions you for expansion of your leadership capacity, expansion of your ability to mentor, expansion of your ability to spend more time with your family. As you are delegating and empowering, you're freeing up your time to do what matters most to you in that situation. Sometimes it's going to be that you can win at work. Other times it's going to be you free up your time so that you can continue to win at home. My whole point is that delegation can help you do both. Another long-term impact on effective delegation is its role in cultivating future leaders within your organization, within your family. When you empower your team members through delegation, you're fostering their growth and development. Over time, this approach creates a pipeline of capable leaders who can step into larger roles. That, And when they step into a larger role, you free up your time to do something different. You free up your time to, again, focus on what matters most to you. Effective delegation is a reflection of a growth mindset within your leadership. It's an acknowledgement that your business, your team, that you can evolve and flourish beyond your direct involvement. That things can happen and you don't have to be directly involved. Embracing delegation paves the way for innovative ideas, fresh perspectives, and the ability to adapt to the different changing dynamics that we have in our life, whether those are market-driven or personal life-driven. Good presentation. I have one question. Let's say your supervisor is going to delegate some work and then, like I said, just he would come and then ask you to do this and then it disappeared without any instructions or any directions. What do you, what is How do you go back and ask him more directions and then what do you think is a good way to ask? Hi, this is James and I want to give you a personal invitation to come to the next Success or Ramp. These are small group complimentary monthly meetings to help you win at work and at home. Are you interested in setting and achieving goals, in building habits that stick, becoming a more powerful communicator? Listen, you do not have to do this alone. Register for the next success on ramp today and join other like-minded people who are on the road to achieve success both in business and in life. Use the link in the show notes to grab your spot today. What do you think is a good way to ask? Some of it depends on the personality of that supervisor. Um, yeah. That's number one. A lot of things are dependent on that. But if I, if you have a supervisor that comes in, they say, here's what I want you to do, and then they leave, then to me, 
I would sit down and write out my understanding of the project, write out my understanding of the task, and then make sure that you are able to define your understanding of the deliverable and go back and say, hey, I just wanted to clarify. I know we talked about this, but I wanted to get your input to make sure that I'm on the right track. Here's what I understand that you want me to do. Here's what I understand where the project is at or where the situation is. Here's my understanding of the final deliverable. Please give me some input. on. And I, I would not necessarily just do that via email. I would schedule a meeting, whether it's in person or Zoom, to actually talk to that supervisor to make sure that you're both on the same page. Thank you. I've noticed in delegating that um, sometimes employees tend to want to push things back, back on you, push things up to you, mm-hmm. and you have to stop that. Do you remember Kent Landy? Yes. From BMS? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> the first year I started working there, Kent passed out this document called the Doctrine of Completed Staff Work. It is a pretty good document. Everybody should Google it and take a look at it. And I, if you follow that, you're not going to let your staff come back at you all the time with a ton of questions that they ought to be able to figure the answer out. A good document. It was developed back in World War II or something in the military. Okay. I would I recommend taking a look at that. It's sometime called the doctrine, the doctrine of completed staff work. The doctrine of completed doctrine. staff work. All right. We'll take a look and see what we can find. Whether it is your employees or your team members, people are going to push back and they're going to ask questions. Part of encouraging an open environment where you can have that discussion is having a space for them to actually come and ask questions. The trick is for you to not take that back on because sometimes, sometimes you want to take that back on. Sometimes you'll get frustrated and you'll think, if I got to answer all these questions, I might as well do it myself. But it is a process, not just a one-time event. If you are preparing and equipping those employees to take leadership roles, then they're asking questions and you answer their questions to the best of their ability. And you say, please, please keep this in your notes, find a place to keep this, that you won't ask this kind of question in the future. Or maybe you're encouraging them to create their own learning library so they can keep track of the different tasks and the different things that they're learning and doing. Any other questions? Not really a question, but I, I like what you said about your children and delegating to them things around the house. And I've been working through that a little bit myself. Yeah. It's, it's good advice. <laughs> it's Sometimes it's hard to implement because you want your kids to be happy. You want your kids to be doing all of these different things. But at the end of the day, we are preparing them for adulthood. We are not preparing them that they can remain in the position of our children in the position of needing us for the rest of their life. If we want them, if we want to ease that transition to adulthood, then start delegating now. Because if you don't, they're going to be 30 years old running into an issue and life's going to suck for them. On On a certain level, something's going to happen and they're not going to be prepared to deal with it. And you're going to have to step in then as well. 
I couldn't agree with that more, both Tom and James. We have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and we assign them responsibilities and different tasks that uh, they need to understand and help out to help contribute with the household. And a lot of family members from the outside will, will chime in and say, wait a second, they're kids, let them play. And we're like, yes, they do play when they play a lot, but they do have to understand responsibilities and what it is. And clear communication is key. James, we are working on our children to clean up after themselves. And I wasn't clear on how to clean up. A story from the other day is my four-year-old son left a huge mess in his room. And, and we spoke about it and he agreed that it was his responsibility to clean it up. I just didn't explain how to clean up and where to put things back. And so when I passed by his room a little bit later, everything looked great. And I was like, oh man, good job. And later in the evening, as we're getting ready for bed, we do a nighttime story and stuff. And I had to move something from his room and I found all of his toys underneath a little ottoman that he has in his room. And I said, then he looked back and we talked about it. And he said, yes, you're right, dad. I shouldn't have put it under the ottoman, but it, the room looks clean though. And I said, you know what, son? It does. It looks great. But let's put things back to where they go. So you yeah. You have a future genius there. He's, he's looking, wait a minute, let me see. What do I need? What did dad tell me to do? This is how I can, this is how I can solve that problem. Yeah. That's the same. Exactly. My son, that's what he, he does too. Glad you get an early jump on it there, Eric. I, I probably waited too late. My, my son is 17. So. And I'm still battling him out the room. <laughs> yeah. And Tom, you know what? To our credit, we live in, in a day of information now. It's easy for us to, that has young children to look back at all the, the records and everything else to date that we can use as a go by or ideas of how to issue some of this stuff or delegate some of these tasks to the kids or teach them or train them. I give all the past generations a lot of credit because y'all didn't have that access of information. It's very different day and age. And now that we have the information, let's implement it. And yeah, we work hard on our end to implement it with our young kids. And some people from outsiders looking in will, will compliment us. Others will say, wait a second, why are they feeding the dogs? And why isn't it you guys? Or why are they doing that? And why is it you guys? And it's to James's point. It's, it's empowering these children so that as they get old, they can handle most of what life throws at them. And that's the thought. What do you want to prepare them for? And that doesn't even talk about the benefits that you'll have once they are prepared. But it's just thinking, what are you preparing them to do? Are you preparing them to take on more responsibility? Are you preparing them to have to rely on you for everything for the rest of your time with that organization, for the rest of, if it's a family, for the rest of the time that you're here? What are you preparing them for? And what do you want to prepare them for? That's a, a key question to think about and consider when you are looking at the people that are around you, when you're looking at your team members. And one of the, and I didn't talk about this in the presentation, but when I worked for the Transportation Research Board, it's a very flat organization. In fact, most of the organizations that I work for have been flat delegating by influence and managing by influence, not necessarily through top-down imposition. If everything that we've talked about still applies, you still have to effectively communicate. You still have to think through what you want to do. You still have to plan and you have to communicate those things. 
But a lot of it depends on how are you going to influence these other people to do those tasks? How do you pull them in and create this environment where you can collectively move forward because you're, you're not in a position to do command and control. You're not in a position to say, hey, come, I need you to do this and keep moving forward. You just can't do that. As we wrap up this episode, I'm just really grateful for the participants in the Engineer Your Success on-ramp. I'm grateful for the Engineer Your Success community. I really do appreciate all of the support, the emails, the likes, the comments on the LinkedIn posts, the responses to the email. I really appreciate the love that I feel from the community. And I'm continuing to dive deep to provide value to our community. As an ending note for this podcast, there are a few kind of things I want to make sure that we remember about effective delegation. Number one, clarity is crucial. Just because you've communicated something doesn't necessarily mean that it's clear. And it doesn't mean that other people actually understand what you've communicated. So you want to ensure that the task that you're being delegated or that you are delegating is clearly defined and that the person to whom you're delegating to really understands uh, those expectations. And you may want to explain why that task is important, how it fits into the bigger picture, what the desired outcome is, and how this will continue to enhance their ability to grow their career. Number two will be choose the right person. You want to assess the skills and the workload, consider the knowledge of the individual with whom you're delegating to, and ensure that they are the right fit for the task. You can use delegation as a tool to help your team members develop new skills and gain confidence in their abilities. Number three, you want to provide adequate support. So resources ensure that the person you're delegating to has all of the resources that they need, additional time, equipment, if it's some additional training. You really want to equip them and empower them to be successful. You want to, number four, monitor progress without micromanaging. You don't want to just set it and forget it. Once you define the milestones, you want to check in to see how things are going and how they are progressing so that you are building in this feedback loop where you're coming up and you're providing constructive feedback and you're continuously training and developing your team member to be able to do more of that type of work on their own, to be able to do more so that they can continue to develop and grow their role within your organization. And number five is acknowledge and appreciate. So you want to give credit to those individuals, right? For the work that they're doing. You want to say thank you for the effort that they are putting in. And just in general, being appreciative and expressing gratitude to your team members will go a long way. So just remember, effective delegation not only helps to efficiently achieve tasks, but it also plays a pivotal role in the development of your team as you empower them, as you equip them, as you cultivate trust within your team. And integrating these points and the points overall that we've talked about in episode 116 and 117 into your management practice or sharing them, or you can share these episodes with them 
we'll provide valuable insights to help you continue to engineer your success. This is Dr. James Bryant, your guide for winning at work and at home. And I just want to thank you for the time that we spent this week. And I'm going to end this podcast episode like I end most podcast episodes. And that's this. Many people know what to do. Few people know how to do it. And there's a select group of people that follow through and do it and are living the life of their dreams. These people have designed and are living a life where they are winning at work and at home. And it is my desire for you to join that few. Be great this week. Thank you for listening to Engineer Your Success with Dr. James Bryant. Do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. Many people know what to do. Fewer people know how to do it and a small fraction of people actually do it. I believe that you can have success both in business and in life. And it's my passion to guide you on your path to engineering your success. Thanks.